You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. You are listening to Hawk Talk Preview with me, Michael Bumpus, along with Nasty Choby. Week 17, the end is here. One more week to finish the season. The Hawks go down to Arizona to play the San Francisco 49ers. But before we do all that, here's Nas with injury updates. Thanks, Mount. Pretty light injury report today. Good news. Cornerback Trey Flowers is back and should be a full go throughout the week and able to play on Sunday. Right tackle Brandon Shell made it back to practice on Wednesday. He was limited as he tries to return from that ankle injury he suffered against the Jets. The only real negative thing is it looks like wide receiver Philip Dorsett will not be able to return this season. He was placed on IR after getting foot surgery in November. He's been working really hard to get back on the field. The head coach, Pete Carroll, isn't sure he'll make it back, even if the Seahawks make a deep run into the playoffs. I don't think Phillip's going to make it, you know, I hate to cut him, cut him out of, you know, if we were fortunate to be playing a month from now, but he's working hard. I, I saw him working again today in, in the weight room. He's busting it. He's doing a lot of good stuff, but it's going to be a haul for him to make it back. All right, before we get going, find complete Seahawks coverage on 710 ESPN Seattle, the 710 ESPN Seattle app, or at 710sports.com, 710 ESPN Seattle, the voice of Seattle sports. Week 17, the Seahawks already got the NFC West locked up, but they got to finish business against the San Francisco 49ers. Who's next? Who's next? The 6-9 San Francisco 49ers, last place in the NFC West, but still a team that is battling. That's who the Hawks played next. Let's look at their schedule. They beat two teams with new in their name, the New York Jets, the New York Giants, and lost to the New Orleans Saints, but beat the New England Patriots. There's a lot of news out there. Beat those guys. Uh, the Rams, they beat the Rams twice, which is pretty impressive. The Rams have the number one defense in the league. I don't know if that still stands, but have a pretty good team. And they just came off a win versus the Arizona Cardinals, six and nine. This might be low key, like the best six and nine team I've seen in a while. They're banged up. They still have found ways to produce last week. They beat the Arizona Cardinals with Beathard, the number three, uh, sorry, number three, the third string quarterback. And backup running back Jeff Wilson had a day, 181 yards. George Kittle was back. So there's some hope for the 49ers to at least play decent this week because they showed they can get it done. Bethel was 13 to 22, 182 yards, three touchdowns. The kid was one and nine as a starter before them, but now he is two and nine. He hasn't thrown an interception, so he'll take care of the football, but he's not going to wow you with the big throws. And with guys like George Kittle healthy, he might not have to do that. Kyler Murray. Played all right, not terrible. 31 for 50, 247 yards, one interception, sacked three times, had eight carries for 75 yards. I was surprised with the outcome of this game, Nas. I thought the Cardinals had a sense of urgency. They're making a playoff push. They're going to play some of their best football. Instead, we saw the underdogs come away with a win. If you're the Cardinals, man, you got to be so disappointed. If you're if you're that whole coaching staff, that fan base, everything that goes into it, uh, you got to be so disappointed because – 
the Cardinals still had every everything to play for. They could have clinched a playoff berth. They had everything in front of them. The Niners, they're done. Their season's over. They got nothing yep. to play for. They had to move their whole operation to Arizona, so they're playing home games in a different stadium. They're away from their families. They're cooped up in a hotel. All this COVID protocol talk, not to mention all of the injuries they've had to deal with this year, and it continued on Sunday. But no one told them that because they came out, and they're more physical than the Cardinals. Um, they did what they had to do to win, and – it's, it's shocking to me, and I think the one thing I'll say about that is I think we all know that if you look at these two teams on paper, the Seahawks have the better football team, especially given who the 49ers are going to put out there on Sunday. But you can't take these teams lightly, man. I mean, the Rams found that out against the Jets. The Browns found that out against the Jets. Like, guys in the NFL still have pride. They still have things to play for. They're still getting paid. They're still trying to get their film out there for whatever's going to be next, um, for the next team they play for, to audition to stay on that team. So they're going to bring it, and that's the thing. I think Shanahan – the one you can thing you can say about the 49ers is they're resilient, man. They are absolutely resilient, and they're gonna they're gonna keep fighting. And um, I mentioned the injury bug on Sunday. Head coach Kyle Shanahan already ruled out left tackle Trent Williams and star rookie wide receiver your guy Brandon Ayuk for Sunday's game. Sherman's also gonna miss that game and could be the last game in a Niners uniform for them. So man, I mean, I've never seen a team this injured uh, throughout the year. I mean, the Seahawks got pretty banged up last year, but it, it has hit every single position group on that football team, but they're out there still fighting. At one point, I think I saw that the 49ers had about 50 to 60 million tied up in injuries. That's how much money they had on the bench. So these guys are finishing strong. They're battling, so they're going to come out, and there's nothing like beating the Seahawks if they can get it done. Mm-hmm. This is this means a lot to them. They're not going to the playoffs. This is kind of like the NFC West bowl game. They got a bowl game mm-hmm. here playing against the Seahawks. So now let's break these teams down. Offensively, the Seahawks are ranked 13th. The 49ers are still in there. They're ranked 15th. Rush offense, the Hawks are 11th. The 49ers are 13th. Uh, pass offense, Hawks are 14th. Niners are 12th. And points per game, the Hawks are 7th. The 49ers are 20th. You look at just the offensive stats. It tells you that they should be able to put up some points. They should be in this game. But the way that this defense has been playing, you would assume that those numbers won't reflect what's going to happen on Sunday. But like you just mentioned, Naz, you never know. This is the NFL. These guys get paid. All these dudes were starters on their high school and college teams and had some success in the league. So they will be here to battle. What are you seeing out of these two defenses? Well, I think if you look at the tail of tape in terms of head-head comparison and what we see numbers-wise, I mean, the Niners still somehow fifth in total defense. They're sixth in rush defense, fourth in pass defense, 17th in points per game. Flip over to the Seahawks, they're 23rd in total defense, fifth in rush defense, still 32nd in pass defense, but they've climbed up to 23rd uh, when it comes to points per game. Obviously, we know a lot of the damage has been was done early on in the season since week 11, the Seattle Seahawks have the best defense in the NFL statistically. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and the Niners are just battling, man. They got a couple dudes over there. Fred Warner's a great ball player. So they're good defensively. But I think the one really misnomer about this whole head-to-head comparison, going back to the offensive side, the Seahawks kind of opposite of their defense. They started off so hot. I mean, every week we yeah. used to look at this. They were number one. They are number two. They are number three. This is the first time all year they fell out of top ten on offense. But – that's where stats will lie to you because no matter what you want to say, this, the brand of Seahawks football that we've seen the last couple weeks against good defenses is still winning games. It's not going to have you put up video game numbers. You're not going to put up 40 points. Russell isn't going to throw for four touchdowns, but it's winning football. So I think that's kind of lost in the numbers. And like I said, our defense is playing incredibly good football at this point in time. So, I mean, 
looking at the numbers, the teams are closer than you would think uh, statistically, but obviously the records are who you are. That's your resume. Seahawks 11 and 4, 9 or 6 and 9. In this instance, numbers do lie. This defense <laughs> is playing well. I look at this offense. I think the offense, the numbers are pretty accurate when it comes to offense. I feel like that's where they're performing right now, around 13th in the league. But we know they have the potential to be a top five offense because we have seen it. If offense and defense start clicking, man, y'all better watch out. The Hawks are ready for a run. Let's look at the history of this matchup. No, your history. Well, Seahawks lead the all-time series 26-17. to Seahawks have been absolutely dominant since Russell Wilson was drafted, winning the series, or winning 13 of 17 games in the series, including nine in a row at one point. Uh, last meeting between the Seahawks and the 49ers earlier this year, Seahawks won 37-27, to but man bump, that final score was not indicative of how the game was actually played. The Seahawks were up 30-7 to with 14 minutes left in the game. It was a dominating performance. Jimmy Garoppolo and company couldn't do anything on the ground. 49ers got some three garbage-time touchdowns with Nick Mullins in at quarterback after Garoppolo was hurt, racked up a ton of fourth-quarter yardage, which has kind of been one of the Seahawks' uh, weaknesses this year is getting leads and then giving up a ton of yards in the fourth quarter. Jimmy G left the game with an ankle injury. Um, offensively, Russell Wilson had a day, man. Uh, it was him in the DK Metcalf show. 27 to 37, 261, four touchdowns. DK Metcalf, 12 receptions, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. So I think the thing about that game, that game broke the 49ers, man. They had had some injuries early on, but they were four and three. They were so right in the middle of things during that game. When they had their guys playing, this is before Garoppolo got hurt, before Kittle went down, the Seahawks were dominating that football game. So, I mean, it, uh, and then those guys went down, and their season is kind of tailspin since then but uh if anything in the if the first game is any indication i think the seahawks will be able to get stuff done offensively um i think this guy game will look a little different because chris carson is available um carlos hyde's available rashad penny's available so the numbers might be a little skewed statistically but i do think this is a good precursor to what we can see in the second matchup you spoke about DK that last matchup he was 12 for 161 and two touchdowns he needs six more yards to break Steve Largen's receiving yards in a season record. Largen is at 1287. And also, Tyler Lockett needs 36 yards to get 1,000 for the season. The first time the Hawks had 2,000-yard receivers in quite some time. So there are some things that need to get done on Sunday. We want the win, but we also want individual accolades. I know it's not about the individual. It's about the team. Yeah, that sounds good, but I like seeing guys have individual success. Let's go around the NFC West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What's the word? You heard Rabel? Champs is here, baby. NFC West belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. They are 11-4 and four right behind them. The Rams are 9-6. and six. The Cardinals are battling to get into the playoffs at 8-7. and seven. And the Niners are just throwing haymakers at 6-9, and nine, trying to uh, throw a little wrench and what's going on with the Seahawks, but that ain't going to happen this weekend, all right? So this is what we do know about the NFC, okay? Nas, if you guys don't know, Nas is the mad scientist. He's doing all these stats. He's got his laptop up, and I was like, Nas, you didn't send me the numbers, man. I'm going to let you talk, <laughs> but let me let me break down the NFC so far. The Packers have clinched the NFC North. The Saints have clinched the NFC South, and, of course, the Seattle clinched 
Seattle Seahawks have clinched the NFC West, and Tampa is in the playoffs. Tommy Boy just finds a way to win. Granted, he's got some weapons around him. We expected him to get into the playoffs, but longevity, this guy knows how to win. And now for the specifics. I'm going to pass it over to Nasa Toby. There's a lot going on here. There is a lot going on. When we were talking post-game, I tried to start working on all the seeding and playoff scenarios, and I stopped myself because I was going to need some more time. I was not going to be able to get that done in a commercial break. So I've crunched the numbers. I've looked at stuff, just kind of reset what's going on in the NFC. As of today, right now, the Packers are the one seed. New Orleans Saints are the two seed. Seahawks are the three seed. Washington is the four seed. In this scenario, um, all those teams would host playoff games. The five seed is Tampa Bay Bucks. The sixth seed is the Los Angeles Rams. And the seventh seed currently today is the Chicago Bears. Now, here's what needs to happen this weekend. So the Cardinals are playing the Los Angeles Rams. The Cardinals, if they get a win, they're in. Okay? If the Chicago loses and they win, they're in. Now the Bears, um, they clinch a playoff berth with a win, so they control their own destiny, but they're going against the Packers, which is going to be a tough one. Um the Bucks, like I mentioned, are already in. They're just battling with seeding. And then the NFC least, or whatever you want to call it this year, <laughs> is coming down to week 17, like we all assumed. The Washington football team, they win, they're in. It's a done deal. The only thing team that can catch them, so the New York Giants, if they win and Washington loses, they would win the, the East. And for the Cowboys, they would need to win, and they would need the Washington to lose. They can tie. I'm not going to get into tie scenarios because that just gets too crazy. But bump seeding wise, because this is what this is what really matters to the Seahawks right now. So, as we mentioned, there is an outside chance the Seahawks could get the number one seed. For that to happen, they need to handle business, win this weekend, and the Green Bay would need to lose to Chicago, and New Orleans would need to lose to Carolina. Probably unlikely, but not out of the realm of possibility. Um. Right now for the Seahawks, that's how they get the one seed. If they want the two seed, they just have to win, and they need Green Bay or Chicago, excuse me, Green Bay or New Orleans to lose. And then right now they're locked into the three seed. If they lose, if they win and those other teams win, they're locked into the three seed. So there's a chance, an outside chance, 5%, I think, where they can get the number one seed in the first round by a greater chance to get a two seed. But, Bump, that just kind of brings me now we got most of the seeding stuff out of the way because here's the other thing. I mean – the Bucks could be the five or the six. The Rams could be the five, six, seven, or eliminated. Cardinals could be six, seven, or eliminated. Bears could be six, seven, or eliminated. Now, with those teams that are available, bump that we could potentially play in the first round, would you rather play Tampa, the Rams, the Cardinals, or the Bears? All right, first, let me acknowledge that you going through all the scenarios made me feel like I was back at Washington State and I walked into a calculus class and I knew within 10 minutes. I was not, I was dropping this class. It's a wrap. I'm <laughs> dropping this class. So you did a lot. Big us and Nas for breaking that down for us. Out of those scenarios, I want to play the Bears, man. Play the Bears. I don't believe in Mitch. I don't, he's doing just enough to survive. He's in the deep end of the pool and he's floating up. He's barely has his chin over the water. I would like to play the Bears, but I think they can handle the Cardinals. I think they can handle the Rams. The team that scares me the most, you said the Buccaneers, right? Yep. They scare me the most just because of what they have on offense and Tom Brady just being the winner that he is. So I would want to face the Bears. Anybody can get it, but the easier path, I feel like, will be Chicago. What do you think? Well, looking at it, if you would ask me before I knew what I knew what's going on in L.A., I probably would have said Chicago for sure. The Rams, think about the Rams. Watching the game on Sunday, as the game was going on, I was thinking, you know what? I don't really want to see them again. Just because yeah. how good they are defensively, they give us issues. But they're without Jared Goff. Jared Goff broke his thumb. He's having surgery. He's for sure out this weekend. Who knows moving forward? 
Yep. Cooper Cup Coop, tested yeah. positive for COVID-19. He's going to be out this mm. weekend. So they now that matchup with the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are a little banged up too because Colin Murray is a little banged up. So that game's going to be really interesting to decide some playoff seating. So if those two guys are not playing, I want to yep. play the Rams. Yep. I don't care what they're doing defensively. That their backup quarterback, I'm blanking on his name because no one's heard of him. Is it Wolford? Um, Wolford, yeah. I think he went to yeah. Wake Forest or something like that. So if that scenario holds, I want to play them. But other than that, yeah, it's the Bears. It's without question the Bears. I think um Mitchell Drabisky, I think with the way our defense is playing, I think um that'd be a great matchup for us. The Cardinals, I think we I think we have them figured out. I think like like you mentioned, we can beat all these teams. But if I had to choose today, it's the Rams if they're unhealthy, and then definitely the Bears. The Bucks scare me because we we haven't matched up with them. We haven't played them. We don't know them. They still yeah. got Tom. They got Gronk. They got Fournette. They got Evans. They got dudes. Godwin. I mean, it's so it's wide open in the NFC. I think I read something today that this is the most possible playoff scenarios in the last like thirty some years heading into this last final week. So it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Get your popcorn ready. Follow on Twitter. Listen to the pregame show. Listen to the game. We're going to find out around 4.30 on Sunday what, what's happening, who we're playing, and where we're going. All right. Well, you know what? Now that you put it that way, you're right. Arizona and Rams, they're down. You probably want to play them because there's familiarity. There's so much film. They, they know what, You know what they like to do. Uh, you recognize their personnel. So, yeah. But anybody can get it. MC West champs. Line them up. Knock them down. Let's get it. Let's look at these matchups. Man up. Hey, who mess is this? Oh! Man up on Hawk Talk. All right. The first matchup we're going to look at is CJ Beathard versus the Seahawks defense. Now, Beathard made his first start last Sunday since 2018. He is 2 and 9 as a starter now. He's 41 for 67, 541 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked six times. Dude will take care of the ball. He's a nice, he's a nice store manager. When the Karens come in, he has to calm people down. He'll calm them down. He'll make sure they get their refunds. Everybody's good. He's a manager. But they need more than a manager to beat the Seahawks, especially the way this defense is playing. You got to get after Beathard. All right, the Seahawks defense is playing the best ball in the league right now. Over the past six games, they've allowed 13.7 points. The same defense I was allowing about 500 points in the first <laughs> five, six weeks. 13.7. This is a great turnaround. I don't think Beathard is enough. He'd have to play the game of his life to beat the Seattle Seahawks or the Hawks would have to sit some guys, take them for granted. But I just don't see that happening. No, I don't see it happening either. And I think without Ayuk, Ayuk is a huge weapon loss there. They still have Kittle. No. But other than when you take Ayuk off the field, they don't have anyone that really scares you or threaten you deep in terms of the secondary. Um, Kittle's a great guy, which we'll get to in a second here. But with Beathard, you mentioned it. He's he's not going to kill them, right? But he doesn't give them the best chance to win if they have their full stable quarterbacks. And the yep. Seahawks defense, you mentioned it. They've allowed the second fewest yards per play, 4.43, and recorded the second most sacks at 21, which, again, is crazy to consider when we were talking about another week of 400 yards passing, another week of 500-plus uh, yards on offense, the loud so this defense is playing with confidence, playing with swagger. You heard Jamal Adams. He said, hey, we're the best defense in the NFL right now. The best. And I don't really care. The numbers, all that stuff doesn't matter. When when you have that confidence as a football player and you're playing with that confidence and you believe it and 54 believes it and K.J. Wright believes it and Jordan Brooks believes it and Quandre Diggs believes it, it doesn't matter. So if they're playing with that confidence, that swagger, I think another notch in their belt was beating the Rams and clinching that title. So they're playing at an all-time high. And uh, C.J. Beathard, this is uh, – 
He's not leaving this game without turning the ball over. I promise you that. Nope. As my son would say, cookies. We need those cookies. Got Give him. us the rock. All right, next matchup, George Kittle versus Seahawks front seven. George is a baller, man. 41 receptions, 566 yards, two touchdowns. He's 12th in the league when it comes to receivings in the tight end room, and he's only played seven out of 15 games. I saw this dude. I watched the film. I'm sure you watched it too. Four catches, 92 yards. Dude is coming off a foot injury and still getting that yiggity yak. Yards after – I mean, this this guy is the best all-around tight end in the NFL. I was talking to my boy the other day, and uh, I said, man, he's he's the best run-after-catch tight end. He says the kid from Oakland – or, excuse me, Las Vegas, pretty good. Waller, Waller I believe yep. his name is. He's good, but he's still got some, some stuff to prove. I got to go with George Kittle. I wonder how aggressive – Adams is going to be with George. I feel like if Adams is blitzing off of that edge or he has contained, he's got to, he's got to make George Kittle fill him. He's got to put his shoulder in, into him and slow him down a bit. Cause if you don't, he's great at crossing that field, nice and clean, getting the rock to him, turning it upfield and getting about 10 or 15 yards after he catches the rock. No, Kittle's a special dude, man. I think Travis Kelsey is the best receiving tight end in the NFL. But when we talk about all around, all around in the run game, in the pass game, I was watching a play. It was just a simple boot action from the 49ers, and Kittle was on the offense's left. And because he's such a physical run blocker, he, take, he takes a reach step, one, two, pop, pop, linebackers come up, boom, gets behind him in the boot, catches the ball, shakes a corner, and he gets north-south. That's the thing. Like For a big dude, he's got wiggle. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is you better bring your lunch pail, man. If you, if you come trying to set that edge and you're not coming with it, he'll put you on, a, put you on your back. So George Kittle's a special, special dude. I think um, – I think he's almost like a safety blanket, too, for Beathard because that's, like, the only guy he can throw to. So, it'll be interesting how we defend him. I think Jamal's got his work cut out for him, but we're going to be so focused on him. I think you take him away, it's going to be tough for that Niners offense. It should be tough. Another guy these, the Hawks have to take away, Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson versus Seahawks seven, uh, front seven. Excuse me. 49ers leading rusher. He has 524 yards, six touchdowns, 10 receptions for 121 yards, and two touchdowns. The guy rushed for 183 yards against the Arizona Cardinals. And what the 49ers do a great job of, you get different looks in a run game. You're going to see power. You'll see trap. You'll see zone. You'll see counter. You got to prepare for any type of run that's ever been invented in the game of football when you play against the 49ers. And it seems like whoever they put in the backfield is going to have some success. Jeff Wilson has some bursts, too. I believe against... The Hawks, the first game, he had the biggest play for the 49ers running up that sideline. Jeff Wilson, man, got to look after this dude. Well, and the thing, too, about him, I'm going to pair Jeff Wilson, the other guy that's really important to what Jeff Wilson's going to do, is Kyle Juszczyk. He's yeah. their do-everything player outside of George mm -hmm. Kittle because he can line up at fullback. He'll line up at tight end. He's great as being that lead blocker, and he's, actually, he's also great as a pass catcher. And I think with him leading the way, that's what they want to do. You mentioned the traps, the counters, the powers. It starts with Juszczyk, and Wilson is an explosive dude. And um, the Seahawks, though, that's what, they, that's what they've done well all year. They've done well all year is stop the run. The first time we shut them down, 52 yards and 22 carries, um, most of it coming off of one play, one little breakdown. Um, Leet Seattle has the fifth-best rush defense in the NFL, 96 yards. The, the 49ers are the sixth-best, but there's a huge drop-off between. So the Seahawks allowed 96 yards on the ground, the Niners at 105. So – the Seahawks, that's what they do. Um, the Niners are going to try to run from the rock, and I think it's going to be tough for them to do that. I think their only chance to win this game is if George Kittle gets loose and if Jeff Wilson finds early success in the run game. Lock them down. Now, another matchup. 
I, I really want to see this matchup blow up. I want to see Russell do what Russell has done for the majority of this season. Russell Wilson versus 49ers defense. My guy has 4,031 yards, 38 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, also 484 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. He needs two touchdowns to pass Dan Marino for second place for the most passing touchdowns in the player's first nine seasons in NFL history. Okay, so we got we got DK, who's going for largest record. Mm-hmm. We got Lockett, who's going for a thou wow. And now we have Russell Wilson going for Dan Marino. That's why these dudes got to play. I know they're yep. not thinking about it, but I'm gonna think about it for you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak it to life. I'm gonna put it out in the atmosphere. You guys get it done. He also needs 189 yards to set a single season career high and break his franchise records record with 4,220 yards. I mean, there's still there's still some things to do, Nas. There's still some meat left on the plate. Oh, there's a lot to do. And the thing I love about it too is the coach that they play for is always gonna compete. Um, the Seahawks haven't had a ton of games in the Pete Carroll era that were completely meaningless in terms of whether you sit or start guys or play them, getting ready for the playoffs. Um, and there is still something to play for. There's the potential for getting a two seed and outside potential of the one seed. I think what we'll see is everyone's going to go up there and play. Everyone's going to compete. Everyone's going to go after it. And you're going to have some assistant coaches looking and, and watching, seeing what's going on in Green Bay, what's going on in New Orleans. And if those games are blowouts, maybe in the third quarter you start to see a couple guys come back. But not after and not before we get our get us some records, okay? Yes, please. Let's get some records, all right? Despite the injuries, the 49ers still have a solid defense. Like It's not going to be uh, a walk in the park. These guys still got to come out and play. They're fifth in total defense, like we mentioned earlier, sixth against the run, fourth against – the pass, just allowing 212 yards per game. Now, there's another guy that you and I really liked on film. Tell me about him. Fred Warner, number 54 for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, honestly, even with a fully healthy team, Fred Warner might be their best all-around player. Um, he's got 115 tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble, two fumble recovery, six passes defended, four tackles for loss, five QB hits. And we talk about this all the time in the pre and post. Um, guys that jump off the film. When you watch it, you're like, someone pops. Number yep. 54 definitely does that. I was watching a play. We know what he can do in the run game. Uh, Arizona last week came out in an empty set, so there was three receivers to the defense's right, two receiver defense's left, and uh, Warner popped out. He had number three, and number three runs a bend route, essentially going to the other seam. A vertical route, it was essentially four verts. He runs across, and Warner turns, runs with him 50 yards downfield, and gets a pass breakup. I mean, the dude is just special. He can do it all. He's not the only good number 54 playing linebacker in this division. That is true. And even the other 54, we're talking about B-Wags, showed us some love. They said, look, this guy is the future. And Fred Warner shows Bobby some love. So you like the mutual respect, but it's time to compete. It's time to get out of there. Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is... The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Path to victory. Continue to dominate on defense. Be the defense that we've seen since week 11. There's no better defense out there since. The defense has identified themselves. They figured out who they are. Everyone knows their roles. You got a great rotation on the defensive line. You got a a corner in DJ Reed that's came out of nowhere and been holding it down. Shaq is healthy. Jamal has two broken fingers, but it don't matter. He's going to do his thing. Diggs is making plays. Bobby's making tackles. Jordan Brooks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jay Reed has six and a half sacks. He's making his money defense. Do what you've been doing and dominate. 
Yep, and to dominate, you got to make C.J. Beathard look like a third-string quarterback, okay? He's not Jimmy G. He's not Nick Mullins. He's a great character guy. He does a lot of things. He has a lot of respect in that locker room. But we got to make him look like a third-string quarterback. He's yet to throw an interception in 2020. I see that changing against the Seahawks. Continue to bring pressure, increase that sack total. And guys like Quandre Diggs, go get you another pick. Go get you another one and take care of the football on offense. I almost don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Chris Carson has not fumbled this year. What do you have, like four or six of them last year? Yep. Everyone's tripping. Oh, my God. No, it was a fluke. Chris is good. He's good to go. Russell, take care of the football. No need to force things down the field. I like the offense right now. I think them taking the short stuff is going to open up the, the deep football. So keep taking care of the football. Be responsible. Yeah, man, and they have an opportunity to break some records. Obviously, the number one thing is to win the football game, but the receiving core, man, DK Metcalf, six yards short of Largent's record. Lockett needs seven receptions to break Bobby Ingram's reception record in a season, and with 36 yards, him and DK go over 1,000 yards. Those are some really special numbers, uh, some records that we expect to see those two all over the Seahawks record book, but it'd be great to get that done on Sunday. Own the NFC West. Finish strong against a rival. Do what you do. Hey, I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm not looking ahead. I'm not looking ahead, but it's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I just want these guys to come out, perform on Sunday, and then get ready to ball out. It's time to win another championship. Reminder, guys, you can hear us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and much more. Also, a reminder, the Cowboy Radio and 710 ESPN Seattle, your home for the Seattle Seahawks. And don't miss the Pete Carroll Show on 710 ESPN Seattle at 930 when he joins Danny and Gallant and Michael Bumpus the morning after every game. It's that time of the year. Get it done. You're ready, NFC West champs. Let's see if you can move up in seeding. Let's have a nice ride into the postseason and keep this thing going to February. Let's go. Hawks are going to Arizona, but they're not playing the Cardinals. They are playing the 49ers. That's the Week 17 Hot Talk preview. I am Michael Pompas, along with Nasa Chobie. Let's do it again next week. 